from MZ Studios in Dallas, Texas, you're listening to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. Welcome back to the Tennis Revolution. Hey, hang on, hang on. Don't you see me hold my hand up? You can't start yet. <laughs> oh. If I'm not ready, you can't start yet. Even though set the pace. you've been ready for 20 minutes. <laughs> well, I can't imagine what you're referencing. <laughs> Hot off the presses. Is that what people say in journalism? Hot off the presses? We're recording at midnight because of that match. Oh, uh, So we just finished literally moments ago watching the men's final and so I guess just to keep it fresh and uh, whatever, we'll just start talking about the men first for once. Yeah, my palms are still sweaty from watching, which I feel ridiculous watching a match on TV, especially when I'm usually not watching it live, although yeah, this time I was. You're a loser, for sure, for that. <laughs> but I just can't help it. I, that's, to me, what sports is all about, like the those pressure moments that are exciting. The drama. Well, the upside is for once in your life, you watched it live. I did. And so, and for the first time ever, we've watched tennis together. That's right. I feel so much closer to you now. Yeah, it was very intimate and romantic. (laughs) Now put your shirt back on. We were Netflixing and chilling. Well, I will tell you this, Nadal's shirt coming off. Come on now. Now, we didn't watch the whole match together, just the fifth set. Right. Um, Which we didn't think was going to happen. Which was the most intense set. So back to your theme (laughs) earlier. Um, But yeah, how about this? We're doing the men's segment first, and we're excited to talk about men's tennis for once in our lives after a final. Well, and we got exactly what we wanted which was a big three versus a non-big three and it was actually competitive and i can't remember that happening in a long time now there's no question in my mind that we're going to find out that nadal broke his knee like (laughs) two days ago that's why Um, i was so close yeah i right after the second set he did something i'm a bit in disbelief that it that it was that he had such a letdown not a not such a letdown's a little strong. The fourth set was, I would call a letdown. Yes, yeah. Um, and he was teetering, even as late as the middle of the fifth. I mean, he's got broken five two in the fifth, but even before that, he was kind of teetering at like two one or one all. I mean, he's sixty years old, so he's <laughs> going to be tired. Well, I feel like for once we saw someone ten years younger. Fresher than someone who isn't that Looking, she made sense. Yeah, finally. I'm um, like, oh, the older person is getting tired first, or at least appeared to be. So I guess steroids don't help cardio. <laughs> or sorry, just allegedly. Kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, he is ripped. Yeah, you know. But I loved it. I mean, that's what we wanted. Remember a couple years ago when it was Nadal and Anderson, and how awful that was. Awful. I mean, this was, and we've seen a lot of you know people in the finals that have not really Raonic, you know, Chilich, one-sided so, affairs. So we got something that we wanted. The only thing that was actually, it, it was missing and I thought I didn't want it to be missing and it wasn't missing. And I was actually happy that it was, was missing. <laughs> Did any of that make sense? No. <laughs> so Medvedev has been a troll for this entire right. tournament to the crowd and he was not. Yeah. Now you seem to disagree that they were cheering his name at some point. I'm indifferent whether they were or not, but the bottom line is they were not booing him. Right. I think it was a very small amount of people that were cheering him. Now, they were, first of all, anytime a player's up two sets to love, the other player gets cheered. It doesn't matter if it's right. 300 in the world versus Federer. The people want to get their money's worth. I mean, he was getting booed all tournament, though. Right. So, I mean, it's quite a switch. Well, it reminded me, and you even referenced it earlier, just because of the Russian element, but it reminded me of those Rocky movies where... You know, the the fourth one particularly where Rocky's in Russia and as right. the match goes on, the Russians are cheering, uh, you know, and that's like this. It's like we, everybody started against Medvedev and he just wouldn't go away and he wouldn't give up and they respect him so much more at the end of the match, which I think we all do. But he didn't kill anybody in the previous <laughs> rounds, which is good. Like Ivan Drago, I must break you. Um, I will say this. If our producer had this thing set up and I could have my sound effects, I would have had that downloaded right. and set up and ready and I would hit it right as you were saying that. But instead, I had to do an awful Russian <laughs> accent. 
Um, but you remember Rocky three where like Rocky sits on the ropes and he just lets Clubber Lang hit him over right. and over. I felt like that was like Nadal. The first two sets, Medvedev was like, okay, just hit as much topspin as you can. And I'm just going to get it back with some weird stroke. And then after four sets, everybody thought Medvedev was going to be the one exhausted. And it kind of looked the other way around. Yeah. Now, apparently, uh, the commentators were, uh, discussing well and i say commentators and i use plural but not because there were multiple people in the booth (laughs) and i'm not counting bg tennis nation skulking around the the grounds uh what i'm talking about is the 19 different platforms i tried to watch and or listen to this match on so i listened to us open radio i was on my direct tv app i was at home watching direct tv i was up here watching direct (laughs) tv with no sound and then trying to listen to sound so I've, i've been all over the gamut by the way i love tennis I love almost everything about it. The thing I hate the most about tennis is tennis on radio. It is. <laughs> I've awful. only heard that a couple times. Awful. I know Sirius used to have a radio station for tennis. I don't even. I have no. I'm watching it live with no sound and watching the radio commentary, and I still don't know what they're talking about. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, and the problem is. It never sinks. Like if you were trying to listen to the broadcast and watch it on TV, it's never going to sync up exactly. Like no, no, I, I I paused it or whatever to make it even. And so it was even, and I still couldn't tell what's going on. <laughs> they they just say a but, and it's a forehand down the middle, and another one back right. down the middle, and over to the side. That and sounds the, awful. And the only time you know what's happened is when you say, and a forehand winner for Nadal, <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, so Nadal serving that right. or no? Wait, what? <laughs> Third that se- sounds terrible. It's not good. I and feel I like that would have worked in the 70s when it's like a serve and volley, return, oh, cross-court volley. You, know, you, and you know what's going on. And you can't see the ball on TV, so it's, yeah. it's just as good. Uh, <laughs> now, that is not to disparage any radio folks out there doing commentary via radio. You do the best that is possible to be done on that medium for this sport. Right. That was just a disclaimer, so nobody hates me. Well, and isn't the whole purpose of radio like play-by-play for people that don't have access to TV. Right. So I didn't do it right. But yes. I can't imagine there's that many people that don't have access to TV in 2019. Well, like you're driving. Drivers, yeah. And actually, that's where I started with the radio is driving up on my ex- uh, Sirius XM. Right. They had a station for it. I'm like, yeah. why would you do this? <laughs> um, so they still do. I knew they used to have one. I think only for the big, only for the majors they do it. In Probably just for the final. <laughs> and and I, my guess for the men's final only, probably. <laughs> anyway. Well, it was it was worth every medium today. Well, yes, it was. And we have been tantalized before with guys having really good runs and looking good until they played a real player and right. then fell apart and it was pitiful. Medvedev made it all the way through. He played all the way through. He was a story uh, and his game backed it up. And there was some antics with the booing and the, you know, and acting like an idiot. Right. Um, but he backed it up on court and ultimately gained a lot of fans, I would say. Yeah, but it's still like that would have been possibly the greatest comeback in the history of tennis if he won that match. Yeah. Um. So that's obviously I'm still, he's got to be still satisfied, but it's crazy how close you were to like being a really historic. Event. I hope he's not satisfied. Right. I hope he's not because he's going to look at probably, you know, if he had an emotional letdown in the first set that allowed him to, you know, lose it. Um, you know, so, but he's made like now five straight, either four straight or five straight finals. I mean, that's pretty crazy. He's, he's so had he's, a tear this summer. He's got to be, legitimately the number four player right now yeah so we he'll fall off and we'll never see him again but <laughs> ultimately uh it gave us a good summer or summer's worth of tennis and now we don't know the status of Federer and Djokovic so I mean I and I wouldn't would you be surprised if those big three don't play the rest of the year well the labor cup <laughs> is that what you mean uh, yeah an actual event so Medvedev could could move actually into the top three well they said he was ahead of uh or no, Nadal was ahead of Djokovic for the year race. Right. You know, that stupid champions race that you can't keep track of. Yeah. But Medvedev's got to be, he's got more wins than anybody else. He's got to be right up there. Getting close. Well, that may be good for him. The bad news for us as fans, as the three players that uh, matter, that doesn't matter to them. The, right. the, the top, the no, top 10 rankings don't matter to them And at you all. know what they, they, McEnroe pulled a coach comment and he said, 
They said, is it really, asked him, is it really just about the grand slams now? Cause he said, they said, I know in your day it was. And he goes, well, it, it, that's definitely the primary because I think it's still, there's still a lot of prestige in being the year end number one. I don't think so. I mean, I think there is, but there, they don't, they don't think that. Right. There is. Yeah. I mean, if, if the big three played only the grand slams and maybe one masters leading into the grand right. slam, they wouldn't be number one. Well, yeah, they would cause they win all four of those <laughs> and then 10 different people would win right. every other, but let's just say that they were, you know, other people that played team that played 5,000 matches right. and Zverev and now Medvedev, whoever they were one, two and three and the big three were four, five and six. Right. Who cares? Nobody cares. They're still going to beat everyone they play, you know, well, or when the, the prime example of that was remember a couple of years ago, it was Federer Djokovic in the year in final and the winner was year in number one and Federer withdrew. Right. That is a huge, <laughs> you know, you're going to do everything in your power to get out there. If that is a huge accomplishment, I right. think they've all done it at least once now, so they don't care. Well, the here's the thing about I think, and you know, I'm not an I am an old man, but I don't want to be that old man. Um, but the amount of money that these people make, they don't need the money at all. So you could put any amount of prize money on any of these matches, right? And it's not going to bring one single person. Uh, you know, one single player to the to the tournament if they if they're not interested in it. Little, you know. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I'm pretty sure, depending on the timing of it, that Roger would decide to play his Labor Cup over being number one in the world, which which back in the day did not happen. Yeah. At all. I mean, again, Sampras said the reason he's balding is because of the stress of trying to be number <laughs> one year end for the sixth year in a row. Right. By the way, nobody else has done that. Just saying. <laughs> and I think we both probably caught ourselves rooting for Medvedev at times in that final, but what I'm thrilled about more than anything else is we're one match away from not having the GOAT anymore, or one tournament away. What do you mean? Nadal wins the Australian and wins the French, and it's no longer Federer's the Grand Slam record holder. Right. And Well, he's already won the French, hasn't he? Well, now that seems, it seems inevitable for him to catch Federer now. For so long, it seemed like there wasn't any, really any way he could do it because he could only win on clay, and Federer was still winning, you know, the grass and getting close on the slams. I mean, Federer's going to have to come back. If Federer didn't win Australia, Nadal's going to have 20. He could have 21. Think about this. I'm not saying this isn't a large amount of money, not to ignore your point, but to go back to mine because it's more important. <laughs> so Federer is second all-time in money. Right, behind Djokovic. $126 million. Sampras is fourth. Wow, that's surprising. $43 million. You can't tell me that between the day he retired and, the day to, and today, <laughs> nobody, like Zverev, his total prize money, $14.28 right. <laughs> and a bus ticket. <laughs> yeah, everybody in the top 10 should be higher than Sampras. Right, uh, but they're not. Because you know prize money's at least doubled since then. Once again, yet another. But anyway, so... Uh, so back to your point is, I mean, of course, uh, you know, Ralph would, would scoff at the notion that it's a lock that, you know, he's going to win the French, but from our standpoint, just to you know, betting money. Right. Um, yeah. Why wouldn't he? So uh, for all intents and purposes, he's tied as of right now, counting the 2020 French open. If Djokovic gets his health together and he's, and he, he's not, you know, having any lingering effects, why isn't he the favorite for Australia? So I mean, where where does Federer get his? You talked about that. We we talked about that with Serena, right? And you've brought that point up that where can they get their next major? And it's Wimbledon. Well, and a lot of people forget Federer's only won three in like the last seven years, right? It just happened to be three out of the last six, you know, before these last couple, right? But I mean, that's a long time where he's only won three. Well, and. and Two of them came when Djokovic was out, right. when him and Nadal split them. And Nadal and Djokovic have won the last four combined. I see Nadal as the favorite in the Australian because of the other two's uncertain health. But you've certainly got to put Djokovic yeah. first or second. So Federer's third in that tournament. By the way, Dami is, uh, not Dummy, Dami, Dominic team is four, Medvedev is five. In and the so, current race? Yes. And so I would think... I would think that would make the difference. But team is losing a lot from this tournament because he lost first round. He's got 360 points, and Daniel Medvedev had 90. 
So yeah. that's a swing, but they're mm, they're 800 points apart. Well, Medvedev gets, I think, a thousand or more for making the final. Right. So he should. And team got zero for losing first round or whatever. Maybe you get something for losing first round. I don't know, but that's where that bus ticket came in. <laughs> there. Um. So now the, here's the next question. The next question that matters to me is this final. Although he didn't win it, but is this final for Medvedev? An indication of him coming up, moving on up to the east side. That was from the Jeffersons. Or are the big three getting old? Or two of the big three getting old and now we're seeing it? Um, well, it definitely, part of it definitely has to be Medvedev coming up because he didn't, he didn't just beat, you know, big three players to get to the final. He beat Warinka. He beat. Well, yeah, but, but, yeah, but. They've always done things like that. People have always right. done things like that. So true. Pushing somebody for one time, pushing, getting you know one of the big three getting pushed. Does that indicate anything, or is this just sort of a one off? And oh, I think it has to indicate something when you're when you've never lost. You've lost one match out of two hundred nine after winning the first two sets. Now he didn't lose this match, but you know when you're that far ahead and you lose the third and fourth sets, that's got to be a sign of a decline. I mean, it could just be one match. I mean, one match is one match, but we saw Federer, Djokovic, and Nadal all show significant decline during this tournament. Well, Djokovic is a little different from the standpoint of, you know, it was a, it wasn't a getting tired issue. It wasn't, you know, it's was, it was just a, a, seemingly it was a shoulder, right? I right. mean, I don't know if we ever got confirmation of that. You know, no, he's trying to be evasive or well, yeah, political or whatever. But like the NHL, where it's always upper body injury. <laughs> but I just think they all three showed vulnerability in this tournament, and all physical vulnerability, which which is the most important aspect and for yeah. Considering that Rogers almost forty, yeah, because Nadal is his whole invincibility is that he can outlast anybody. Well, Barely. I would not say he outlasted right. Medvedev in this. Right, I would say he beat him. I would not say he outlasted him. Yeah. And then Federer obviously did not last, you know, Dimitrov and then Djokovic even. Again, like you said, Djokovic is a little bit different because that could have just been a one-time injury. Yeah. And he could be back to normal next month. Yeah, because it's just like, you know, Murray isn't not a big four. He's just, on, you know, on the shelf. And right. so we, we'll never know, really. Although sen- the sentimental type want to include him <laughs> in the big four. I thought better of it. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I what we've talked about, maybe we, maybe me, really, probably because I'm right, <laughs> is that at some point it's going to happen. And every time they lose a match, it's like, is this the time that is happening? But this this match for Rafa definitely looked like a guy ten years older. Yeah, and as much as we were praising Medvedev, when it comes down to it, he did just like you said, do what everybody else did. He beat a bunch of people he was supposed to beat and then lost in the final to a big three. And obviously he pushed him more than most people push him. But like we always talk about the, the result is really all that matters. But does it mean all the other guys are going to gain confidence and say, look, these guys are vulnerable. Jokic and Federer lost. It all was very close to losing. Like, is that going to motivate them or is it going to be the same old, same old? I think Medvedev has definitely established himself as a threat at, a, at the next major the next everything he plays. Right, but will anybody else gain any confidence from watching the big three play like that? I don't know. Yeah. Um, they should, whether they do or not. Now, to be fair to old Rafa, one match does not make a theory come true. You know, it's 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 a match right. at the end of a long tournament, and apparently it was humid today. It wasn't real hot, I guess, but it was humid. The whole tournament's been like that. Right, so uh, welcome to New York, I guess. Um, and yeah, and the whole place probably smell like wet garbage. So that's always a factor. Um, but it's something now to keep it out. It's something that we sort of had it at an arm's length distance thinking about before, but now, evidence-wise, watching it happen, it's like, wait a second, is this is this the end? Well, and wouldn't would you agree that one of the signs of declining as a player? is having a harder time closing out matches. Because remember we had Serena was up big against Pliskova. 
Ended up losing like that crazy. She was at five one. We're on the men's. But I know Why she's, are you so sexist? she's as good as they are, right? Yes. Uh, but I mean, think about Nadal's uh, quarterfinal or semifinal. He was up four zero first set, lost four games in a row. He was up five one second set, lost four games in a row. That's not something that he does or has done in the past. And then we saw it again in the final. He's up five two serving, gets broken. To me, that just like you said, those little signs that. You know, usually if you got one of the big three serving out a match, it's over like 99%. Yeah. They don't have to play another game. Well, and again, the only thing that makes me pause, it was one tournament. Right. You know, so, but and he's y- never been a huge server, so he doesn't have like an automatic shot just to close out a game like Federer does. Right. He can't just hit four serves and the game's over. But it is... We've doubted those guys like thinking they were fading for so long. It's it's almost hard to say they are because we always think they are and then they come back the next year and they're, they're still the top three. But there's no question. I mean, <laughs> I'm saying this like I could be wrong, but it's not. <laughs> there's no question that it can't last forever. Yeah. So with that being said. <laughs> I like your hesitation. I know. That. It's like, wait a second. Can it? <laughs> um, but... You know, it can't last forever, but at the same time, you know, I don't want to jump the gun just because, you know, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment. Well, it goes back to our whole argument, which is, will it last forever as it relates to all the players that are challenging them now? Like, they may be declining, but they may still be good enough to beat all the players now that we say will never win anything. Like, I still heard the commentators as tournaments fan there's no doubt Zverev's going to win multiple Grand Slams. I'm like, there's a lot of doubt for me. I don't think he's going to win any, regardless of if the big three are gone or not. Yeah, I mean, because what you're saying is is that his performance was really, really good, but not good enough to win a Grand Slam. But thankfully, he's young enough that the people that can beat him are out of his way. Yeah, you're saying that he's going to start winning Slams in his mid to late 20s, which doesn't happen typically right most people win their first slam i mean almost everybody who's won a slam wins it in their early 20s or, right or even late teens or they just win one random you know i mean warinka's first one was probably late 20s but i mean that was that was an unusual circumstance well and keep in mind that the the tournament in canada right where were they where were the men i think the men were in montreal there we go Keep in mind, that wasn't that long ago. As a matter of fact, it was part of the U.S. Open <laughs> Series and theoretically on the same surface. Uh, and I'm pretty sure the score was 3-0 right. with Nadal and Medvedev. So, yes, it was a different... And I think that hurt Nadal in this going into this match, by the way. You think so? I think he thought that Medvedev was going to go away like he did in that match. And he kind of took his foot off the gas a little bit and just kind of thought... You know, and well, you disagreed with me, but when we were watching, I said he's playing too defensive, meaning... I still thought he was playing, waiting for Medvedev to make mistakes or wilt, and it really never happened. Yeah. Although, when you said that, first of all, I thought, well, you can't be right. You said it. <laughs> but the other thing, it, it, was, it, was, it seemed to be a ploy from Nadal's perspective just to break, his le- break him down. But I think it was because he broke down so quickly at the uh, Masters, he thought that would happen again. I think it, he's right about it happening, but I think it took way longer than he expected and at that point, he was like, well, I've gone with the strategy this whole time. I can't change at this point. Well, I guess the flip side of my theory on the big three and is at the end. The flip side of that is, you know, Medvedev played a guy 10 years older than he is and had him on the brink and still couldn't win. Right. And so is this like, is one of those things where, you know, out of 100 times, Somebody's got a chance to get close and still didn't do it. And so it's good. It's going to go back to normal at Australia. Well, I think the, the positive for Medvedev is that he's still on the ascent. Like he, like for example, like he just, like you said, he just lost three and Oh, how can you not be happy about losing six, three in the third or the right. fifth? Yeah. I mean, you've got, and so you got to think the next time I play him, I'm going to be, I'm still getting better and he's getting worse. So one thing we don't see is somebody have a rocket, you know, to the top of the men's game and then fall off because none of them get to the top. <laughs> they might rock it up to the mid right. level, but not the top. Right. And so 
you know, we talk about that in women. So is he going to keep going up? You know, that's really that balance. Like, are the old guys getting old and are the new guys starting to get their lives together or do they smell blood? So maybe they have confidence because they see a little weakness. Well, I think we've, the problem, like the doubt you have is that we've seen how easy it is to get to four or five because we've had a lot of guys at four or five that weren't really that good team and Zverev and Del Potram and Del Potram is great, but there's been a lot of number fives and fours. There hadn't been that many one, twos and threes right. the last 15 years. And I think you use the right word. They're not great. Right. They're obviously at a very high level and yeah. they're fantastic tennis players, but they're not great. I would. And I, the reason I hesitate with Del Potro is I think without injuries, he could easily be in that mix. Yeah, which we've said since the beginning of this whole yeah. notion that this is the weakest era. Do you give any credence to Dimitrov's run, or was it just a good draw? And yeah, and two he benefited words from Federer's injury. Two words, Andre Agassi. <laughs> and how hilarious was it that he didn't want to pay them to be there? Did you catch that in the interview? No. Uh-uh. So he said. Sometimes you got to make tough off-court decisions, and that's why they're not here. And the way I interpreted it was, I can't afford to pay him when I'm going to lose first round, so they're not here. And then he makes it to the semis. Wow! So he didn't have Radek Stepanek or Andre Agassi in his box the entire tournament. Fun, fun. And how can you have him now? You just made the semis without him. Like you don't want him in any tournament now. Well, I mean, I don't think whether they're there or not is not the you know once. Well, I know as they say in Texas. Once you're at a tournament, the hay is in the barn. <laughs> All the work's done. Now just go play. So, you know, that's not where their benefit comes from. Their benefit comes from training. Are they training in Las Vegas? I don't know where they're training. Well, but, they must uh, have told him, we can't go unless you pay us, you know, $50,000. And he said, that's okay. You stay home. Because again, he, if he didn't know he's going to win $50,000. Yeah, I have to at least make as much <laughs> as I'm going to pay you. So it was pretty interesting. And, and, I think he even said after the quarters, he's like, I can't have him come out now because it's working. What we're doing now is working. Yeah, but you know what? Somebody like Agassi, I don't think he cares. I don't know about Stepanek, but... I wouldn't think. You know, he's like, look, I'm going to do my work behind the scenes. I'm going to inspire him to really, uh, you know, have a renewed, uh, you know, love for this game, which is exactly Agassi's story. But it's interesting because wouldn't you think they'd have some kind of percentage arrangement based on prize money? No, I'm sure they do. So that's what I mean. They're still getting paid something. So it's just weird to me that they weren't there. Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm sure they were going to have paid expenses to be this out there the too. Min- yeah, this is the minimum. Well, yeah, all that. That's true. It's just, it was funny. I thought it was kind of sad to be honest. Oh, I don't think it has anything to do with anything. I, I don't think it matters at all. I'm sure Agassi was just as happy to stay in the, in the AC and his right. Las Vegas mansion with his, you know, Hall of Fame, tennis Hall of Fame wife. And... By the way, thank goodness Medvedev won because the Dimitrov Nadal final would not have been anywhere near the match we got. Yeah, I th- I think you're a hundred percent right. I think there's too much baggage right now for him to get to that point. Maybe yeah. uh, in a year and a half from now, maybe you know he's going into 2021 Australian and he's been having a good run or whatever, and now he's ready to make his move. Right. Um, after he's been under the Agassi tutelage for a while, and Stepanek, again, I don't know anything about him at all for, as a coach. But yeah, it'll be interesting if he can springboard from this anything, but really he won due to Federer's injury. He can't have gained that much confidence from that. He made the semifinals of the Open, so he's gained confidence from that, obviously, but... I don't think he can really brag about being Federer in that instance. No, but he can certainly say, wow, I would have lost I, a year ago. I'm losing in the first round, right. you know, because he spent an entire year being horrendous at tennis. Yeah. Um, These results are awful. And, and I mean, what a fall. I mean, because he was pushing top three. I, I think don't, they did said he ever he, get to I three? I think they said he got to three, which okay. shocked me because I didn't remember that. Yeah. So because we just said not many have made it to three. Right. So he was one of them. Um. But that just shows you the list where I was saying about the guys at three, four, five, how it's not an impressive list over the last several years. Yeah. So, uh, it, you know, again, I want to give the primary credit to the player because they're the actual ones who have to go do it. Uh, but getting a good team around you that puts you in the right mindset to go out and do it the right way, that matters a lot. So, But if that puts our four seeds as Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, and Medvedev for the Australian, that's pretty exciting. Um, that I would actually be excited if that was the final four just to see how Medvedev would do against one of them right. again in that situation. So uh, highest ranking for Dimitrov, 
number three in uh, November 2017. So that was probably when Djokovic was out. Right. Probably so there know. was an open spot in there. <laughs> yeah. So somebody had to fill it. <laughs> Why not him? But that's amazing. Less than two years ago. Yeah. And he's 78 right now. Well, yeah. he'll be higher than that now, obviously. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, so... I don't want to get overly excited. I mean, it's not American, obviously, American <laughs> tennis, but, you know, at least it's the other part of what we want. We can't have it all. Yeah. We want somebody to come challenge the big three, ideally an American, but I'll take anybody, uh, even somebody that everybody in New York hates. It's just one step closer to my goal of 2020 for the three to have it in the slams of their career, but that was really a blow to Djokovic, who's our guy, who we both think is going to surpass 20, but... yeah. That's uh, that makes it a lot tougher. Well, Federer is leading, yeah, and so he didn't go any further. So if we can, you know, so if Rafa gets the French, that's twenty and twenty, and now Djokovic just wins the, you know, the the Joker Slam or what? Well, minus <laughs> minus the French, but again, if it wasn't forty, I'm still claiming the Joker Slam this year because you had wind and you had right. injury. So I don't care. I'm I'm right. Go Joker with your Lego hair. <laughs> All right, do you want to talk about somebody else with some hair? Definitely. Like Bianca's mother? <laughs> we'll do this. Sorry, that was terrible. But we will do that when we come back. It's time to join the revolution. Go to our website, tennisrevolutionpodcast.com to get the latest episodes, email us your questions and comments, or give us show ideas. Now, on Saturday, man, oh man, was I excited because I knew Sunday was going to be a blowout for the men, so I didn't care, but we got what we paid for with Bianca Andreescu. Yeah, it was two years in a row. We were way more excited about the women's final than the men's, but this time, this year, they were both great. It was the women, so the women's final was a rematch that didn't get to really start. Right. And the upside about that is that Andreescu had never beaten Serena, so she didn't hate her and everybody and all her family and her dog. (laughs) So we go into the final with a neutral-ish Serena. Right. And so, of course, what everybody wanted to see is another disaster. (laughs) And I didn't want to see a disaster, honestly. I really didn't want to see another sideshow. I actually, before the women's final like probably about 30 minutes before I still have that backstory Serena Williams versus the umpire right Serena versus the umpire I still have that on my DVR and I haven't watched it okay so 30 minutes before I'm getting all hyped up for the match and so now I'm like I need something (laughs) I need some US Open in my life right now and so I push play and I and I sort of like heard like the the voice over or whatever and i was like i just feel dirty <laughs> I, I feel this is gross i don't want to watch it and i turned it off so the upside is i know how it ended so <laughs> I, but i didn't watch it and so i, I, I so essentially i went into the u.s open final pure of heart right pure of heart see i'm drawn to that i wanted i wanted the craziness you're the worst uh i just and I was actually defending, you wouldn't believe this, but I was actually defending Serena after the match because a few people, you do tennis Twitter, I'm doing tennis Facebook, but I had a few people criticizing Serena saying it was ridiculous how she lost and how she, how far down she was, how her effort level. And I said, I have a lot of critiques about Serena, but when you're down 5-1 in the second set and you lose 7-5, I'm not going to critique you for lack of yeah, effort. I agree. Um, 100% agree. So I just think the main, to me it was one issue in the match. Her serve was off. And she didn't have another way to win, you know, against someone else. She could have won without her serve, but I don't think against Andreescu she could win without her serve working. Agreed. Now, not only was her serve not on, but everything else stemmed from that, right. and and it just all didn't look good. But not playing, not not being able to play your best, even though you're with every bit of your being, you're trying to play your best. I can't fault that at all. Yeah. And the only thing I think she could have done, and again, I'm not trying to act like. I can coach Serena better than Murata Glue or whoever, but I think she could have taken a little bit off the first serve and gotten it in, 
just because Bianca was killing the second serve. If she'd just gotten some first serves in, even for just a game or two, maybe she could have gradually amped up the pace back to her what she wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was it, without her serve, it's, it was tough. And I mean, Bianca was, except for the little hiccup. I mean, Serena picked it up, but also to yeah. be fair, Bianca dropped a little bit in that second well, set. She had some wild runs like that during the tournament, like where she was up big and just like that match against Townsend that right. never should have gone to three sets. Right. So that was why I was holding out hope. Like, like a friend of mine said, I never thought Serena was going to, I never thought Bianca was going to lose that match. I'm like, did you see like her four five, six game lapses in this tournament? Like right. I did. Like it was to me, it was possible. And we were watching a lapse happen in real time <laughs> in the finals right. as well. So yeah, that's crazy. I mean, when you're at five on the second, anything can happen. Yeah. So ultimately, you would have to say that part of Serena's issues was Bianca didn't let her play to her best because she can overcome a bad serve if she can sort of, you know, get into a point, but she, without her serve, she couldn't get into a point. And that was very similar to Osaka last year. Remember it was really Osaka for the most part dictating. And I don't know if that's nerves or Serena, you know, being too conservative, like I said about Nadal, or it's just her playing younger, you know, aggressive opponents but it definitely seemed like she wasn't taking control of points like she normally does, whether that was because she couldn't or because she wasn't, you know, willing to, I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know how much last year's debacle and all the debacles in the history of the U S open for her. I don't know how much that, that, that debaculation, not a word, <laughs> um, played into her level of nervousness or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. I can't imagine when, trying to breaking a record that literally no one knew existed. <laughs> I mean, for all intents and purposes, to me, Serena is the record holder and right. the all-time greatest player in the history of the women's game. I feel women's like that was, game. <laughs> you heard me. I feel like that was a record that was like created because she'd taken all the other records. But it's true, though. I know. But it's like... Nobody else taught a lot of people really delineate between the open era, you know, in 68. Right. And then anything that happened before. Yeah. I mean, even Rod Laver didn't win two Grand Slams. He won one in the open era and one, you right. know, as an amateur. And it's so now he's, still, I mean, obviously won two, but this delineated that they're, yeah. and now all of a sudden all her slams are together. Right. It's like, eh. And as uh, has often been mentioned, Nobody even knew where Australia was back in <laughs> right. the, you know, whenever she was winning Australian Opens. Like eight people showed up. Well, it reminds me, I'm, and again, I'm not a golf expert, but there, I or believe tennis. Tiger Woods won six tournaments in a row at some point in his career. And it was like, oh my gosh, what? Nobody's ever done that. And it's like, oh wait, so-and-so won 11 tournaments in a row back in the 1920s. It's like, well, there were 10 people in the tournament. You know, it's like, that's a record that will never, ever be broken because you're, every tournament now has 150 players in it. Right. It's, like, it's impossible. Right. So like sometimes these records are like it's like the um what is it Ty Cobb or not Ty Cobb maybe it is Ty Cobb but someone has like 400 wins in baseball and it's like a pitcher now doesn't even pitch more than 20 or 5 games in a season. Right. There's like there's no possible way right. certain records that just you can't break based on the structure of the game. Yeah, so they're Serena out there. They can. Yeah, they were out there, pl- you know, playing baseball in long pants, uh, you know, with <laughs> and uh, the same bow pitcher ties. pitched every day. Right, exactly. But to me, it's two things with Serena now. It's the 24 curse and the U.S. Open final curse. And this you had, here he had both. Because I believe that's three finals in a row she's lost now at the U.S. Open. And now like three or four attempts at the 24 so that, I mean, there's no way she can't go into the finals now thinking about that. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Well, and I'm not saying that's why she lost, but I'm saying that has to play some factor in her mind when she's well, out there. I guess all I was getting at was that I can't imagine, quote-unquote, 24 matters. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, in as much as I haven't won right. a U.S. Open in how, or I haven't... I think, it, I think she wants it to matter for the sake of motivation. Right. But at the same time, I don't think it's going to, like you said, it's not going to matter for her legacy in any way. Or No one is saying Margaret Court was better than Serena Williams. <laughs> well... If they, are, they, <laughs> if they are, they know nothing about tennis. Correct. Um but it is interesting how she's struggling to get that last one. Well, is it? I mean, she had a baby and she's older and her movement is better, 
and everybody was talking about her movement, hopefully they were just saying it was better and not saying it's good. Right. Because it's not great. No. Um, and she, you know, certainly to be able to hit the kind of shots she hits with the power she hits, and she's got to be able to get to the ball and get right. there set up. She can't just arm the ball. Um, so I think we crowned Osaka last year as the next big thing. And she did win another slam, which, you know, helped. But yep. is Bianca now like the definite next number one? Well, I will say this. We did temper the body potty, Ash Barty. We tempered right. that whole thing when she won. Um, is Bianca the next big thing? Is Bianca the next By the way, they're, speaking of records, I can't imagine there's ever been somebody who's won their first eight matches against a top ten player. That is a stunning. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty impressive deal. And they haven't said if that's a record, but it almost has to be, I would think. Even in one year to be 8-0 against the top ten is insane. Yeah. I'll tell you, I mean, it's a guess. It's a pure guess because all this is a guess. Just like picking the winner of the U.S. Open before it starts. Right. It's really just a guess unless it's the big three. Um, but you you would definitely say have to say you. I hold out more hope that it is it's going to happen because, like you said, the things she's been doing. Um, and just a year ago, as they said a million times, she didn't even qualify right. for the U.S. Open. Ouch. I, I do think that she's going to be one of those players that has a really hard time staying healthy. Um, so that is my one concern because she only played like six tournaments this year. Why? Cause she's Canadian. <laughs> no, she just, she doesn't, she has a build that to me is susceptible to injury, Like she's kind of a stockier, right. bigger player. And those players are more prone Careful. to injury. <laughs> it's women's tennis. We're talking about, um, we're not allowed to talk about them like athletes, right. like we do the men apparently, but call uh, her fat. Is that what you're calling <laughs> fat? But I don't think you can sustain playing six tournaments a year. And, and winning them. Yeah. I think in some ways that played in her favor because she's so new, there wasn't that much, you know, tape for people people had on her to figure out how to beat her. But now, obviously, everybody's going to be watching Bianca tape in the offseason and, okay, what do we got to do when we play her next well, year? Well, here, so here's the thing about anybody, Bianca, Osaka, anyone, that at least we have a reference point. And again, I go back to the reference point of Serena, the greatest ever, still playing a high level women's tennis, still playing at a high level. Obviously, she's in finals, um, and so we we can track all these women relative to how they've been doing in the twilight here of Serena's career. Because right. again, she's still extremely competitive, and a lot of the matches she plays are competitive. Yeah. But like these these top women are competing very well and or beating her. And so our barometer is still intact. What and I was going to say what should what's happening to Serena is what should be happening to the big 3 and the men. Correct. They should be losing finals and struggling to beat younger players. But the difference is is that when she retires, she can retire tomorrow and we have enough data points connecting to her that these players can say, "Oh yeah, they are." So if if she left she retired tomorrow and Bianca won 24 total Grand Slams, right. then Bianca is clearly the greatest ever and it's not the weakest era. Right. If the big three re- retired right now, first of all, nobody will win any in a <laughs> row. Um, but then we're all looking at it like, well, unless it's Medvedev, I guess, nobody else has pushed these guys right. since I don't know how long. Because it won't be, Warinka's not going to, you know, he's older. He's not going to stick around and win, f- you know, five or six more no. after the big three retire. Right. So, so w- my point being is to wiggle out of answering your question. I don't know if she's going to be the next big thing, but at least we have enough information and enough data on all the results in women's tennis that we can track her progress and really see if she does become the next big thing. Well, and really, she can't be a fluke at this point because she's already won two Masters and a Grand Slam. So, to me, yeah. that's already better than... Almost everybody on the tour. Well, a fluke would would more indicate, oh, she beat Serena one time in, you know, some far-flung, you know. Right. You know, Xinjiang or whatever. (laughs) Um, So a fluke is maybe, you know, but maybe flash in the pan or one slam wonder or two slam wonder, like, uh, you know, because we're worried about Osaka now. We're worried about Barty now. Well, I guess my definition... That's what you're asking. Is she going to go the way of Barty and and Osaka and Kerber and... Yeah, what I mean is 
I don't think since Serena and Venus started, we've had any player win more than like three slams. Kerber's sure, got two or three. Yeah, I guess she's got, what, five? Yeah. And so she would be the third best in this era just in terms of slams. So meaning will Andreescu be above that level, the two one to two slam level of like Halep and Wozniak right. and Kerber and and obviously and I'm obviously it's all predict, predicting, but I would think that she's got the best chance of all of them to do that. Well, yeah, but that's because it's all new. I know. <laughs> so and Osaka, I still think Osaka's got a great chance. I felt like this tournament, she really got everything back together, starting to get her life back together. And look, I mean, here's the thing: it isn't the fact that they, you know, a man winning a slam means nothing. It means a lot more when the women win a slam. Yeah. But the difference is, you know, can they sustain it? And that's what we're, you know, really looking for on the women's side. Because clearly, the longevity and consistency of Serena and Venus um, is really what sets them quite a bit apart. Well, and Osaka and Andreescu... Uh, that was dumb, because that's <laughs> the most obvious thing ever. But Osaka and Andreescu should be... There's no reason they shouldn't be one and two for the next several years. Right. Be- because everybody else who's in that conversation is on the back end of their career. Well, so you take out... So Williams retires. Right. Just Serena, not Venus, because she's not really a, th- a threat too much. Well, you know what I mean. Right, it's right, not, right. you know. Anyway, so she's you, not a threat for slams anymore. Right. So she retires. So Serena retires, and now, if any one of those starts to pick it back up, they're playing against each other, and each other have been beating Serena, so it it, it does matter. Right. So we can still. So, is Bianca going to be the the leader, or is she going to win one more, or no more for yeah. another? Because, I mean, Osaka, like you said, I liked what I saw from Osaka as well. And can she get back on track, on the track we thought she was on? And so that's kind of what I mean. But, I mean, do you see Andreescu as a two or less slam, like a three to five slam, or a six plus? Because to me, six plus is like, obviously, legendary category. Right, right. Two to five is just, you know, maybe you had a good, a good run, like Azarenka, Kerber. You had a good run when maybe the era was weaker. Or, or not weaker. Right. I mean, it, you know. Or whenever it was, yeah. Or you just had a good run that you were on for a two-year span. Or will she be, you know, this this one and maybe one more and that's it. I, I'm honestly leaning towards the lower end just because of the injury. I mean, we've had that many injuries and you're only 19. Yeah. That scares me. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That And, that, uh, that's and they've a, been like big injuries that's too. That's a tricky... Yeah, that's a tricky part of it because it's impossible to tell. So yeah, I would have to agree with you that for injury, I don't think she'll. I think she'll be under three total. Yeah, because that's just. There's not. I can't think of many players that were plagued with injuries early in their career and just, you know, all of a sudden got healthy for a long period of time. Djokovic. Maybe the only one, but I wouldn't say those were injuries. He had all those heat related, you know, weird requirements. Yeah, and all yeah, that. yeah. One that he changed his diet and did a lot of things. Right. So, um, yeah, that I think you're right about that. Um, from the standpoint of if you had to put money on it, that you know, Vegas wouldn't maybe have those odds, right? Because of the injury issue, and almost everything she's done also has been on hard court. So, yeah, you factor that in too. You got Wimbledon and the French making up half of the slams. Yeah. But so, a lot of it depends on when Serena retires too, like we like we're saying. Maybe I mean she only played Serena one time in this tournament, right? You <laughs> right. know what I mean. And so, and she had her back against the wall some, yeah, in this tournament. Andreescu did so. I enjoyed under three, under three. Yeah, I think I think I think three or less. Right, and I enjoyed the women's tournament just because it was a few new names. It was a few. It was enough interest. Look at that. The time we spent together watching this tournament, you're you're in my head. I was about to ask you that question. So, for once in our lives, can we say the men's tournament was better, or am I just getting crazy because of the finish? That's a good question. We we got the two finals we wanted: star player versus up and comer in yep. both. Yep. So we've always wanted that, and we got one. We got the ultimate outcome, which was the, the young up and comer beating the star. Right. That's what makes it hard to pick the men's draw over the women's because 
Right, because Medvedev didn't win. Because ultimately, if you say Nadal wins, it's like, nah, we've seen that so many times. Right. But... But like you said, he limped to that finish. It wasn't like he outlet, you know, he just grunt, you know. And for, I would take the men's for the the resurgence of Monfi, Dimitrov, you know, and then the Medvedev first time breakout. Like to me, those were all bigger deals than what happened in the women's overall. But if you have two thirds of the big three sort of, you know, flaming out because of injury. Now, Federer, it's a little, you know, he's less likely to say, oh, look, I'm hurt. I better stop. Right. Whereas Djokovic, obviously, is, you know. I think that's like a, almost a slap in the face of Djokovic. Like, yeah. Djokovic quits and Federer's like fighting uh, out there. To by the, the way, end. I've never, ever retired <laughs> in 1,311 matches or whatever it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> Djokovic I, was retired in like 10 Grand Slam matches, which is an insane <laughs> amount. Right. Um, I'm hot. I'm but I think leaving. that's what I wanted, though. Like, I'm happy that Djokovic and Federer weren't in the Final Four. But see, it, it makes it a little, uh, just a smidgen hollow. It does. Compared to if they were both. Especially because Medvedev didn't beat either of those guys to get there. Right. It wasn't his fault, but because uh, he should have had to play Djokovic to get there. But right. Wawrinka screwed that up. What's it, what is the deal with Wawrinka and Djokovic? Like, it's a weird mental advantage that Warinka has. Well, I also think it maybe had something to do with the injury as well because... It did, but it's just amazing when you watch it. Like, Warinka just knows how to play him well, to but win. If you watched, I mean, he was punishing the ball, but I think it was because he could sense that yeah. Djokovic wasn't all there. Well, definitely when it got even in the second, you could tell something was off. But it's just funny how Djokovic kills everybody and then he's got this one weird guy who's like not... He has a terrible record against Nadal and Federer, but then he has a winning record against Djokovic. It's just strange. Uh, yeah. But, you know, sometimes matchups are just certain little things like, you know, where a ball, where a guy's, you know, shot lands, you know, in terms of your strike zone, just as something as simple as that, you yeah. know. But to go back to your question, I, the women's draw to me had a lot more interest the first week. A lot of that fell off with Coco, Osaka losing, you know, a lot of the American women losing. I think when it got to the quarters, it was kind of like, and then Serena just killing two people in a row. That was, that's why I would give the edge to the men's because those last two Serena matches were terrible. By the way, what do you think Stan and Djokovic's record is head to head? Well, I've heard it's, it's actually, I think Djokovic has them, but it's, in the slams, well, Rinka has the edge, I believe. Uh, I gotcha. It's 19 to five. Yeah. Pretty good, and, and but I think in the I think uh, in the slams, Warinka's like four three or something um, weird. Yeah, they, there was some crazy record for Stan. I saw that he's he's got like one or two wins against the big three outside of slams. It's something insane. But then he's and, a gamer, man. Yeah. He's a gamer, and he's beaten Djokovic at least three times in slams. We know. Why are you talking about men? <laughs> this is the women's. Oh, that's I what I said. I brought it up. The women's. Right. I have to give the edge to the men's to go back to your question because the women's draw really kind of. I mean, Serena beat that girl zero and one, and she's top fifteen in the world. That was, that was bad. That was bad for the women's game. Yeah, and then she beats Fitolina, whatever's like three and one. Right. So that was not good. And those were primetime matches when the most people are watching too. So it just, and and no no offense to Andreescu, but a lot of people didn't know who she was at that point of the tournament even. So those matches, even though they were good, were not really drawing the people's attention. Yeah. So I think the, I, I, I think the men's tournament built as it got deeper, whereas the women's tournament kind of sagged. Yeah, I hate to do it, but I, I think you're right. I think the men edges, edges uh, a little bit past. And, and Maybe it's a three out of five versus two out of three bias, maybe, because obviously if you invest almost five hours <laughs> into a match and the payoff was decent, you know, it was a pretty good payoff, then it, it kind of, you know. Well, and the women's final didn't go to three sets either, so even that. Well, yeah, but you, you know what I'm saying. Right, There's right, so right. much more drama oh, yeah. for the big five setter, so. But I don't think, I think the last three setter in the women's was what Halep and, I mean, not Halep, uh, Townsend and Andreescu. Both semis were straight sets, I think, and the finals were straight sets. That that help. I mean, that helps or hurts. It helps the what you're saying, yeah. So, oh goodness, 
what a, what a fortnight, or as in America, two weeks. And zero doubles was shown once Coco got eliminated. Not a word of doubles. <laughs> even their own commentator won the mixed and didn't even get any airtime. Good. Uh, I'm glad. Because <laughs> I know how much you love mixed. I don't know why they have that. I, I, truthfully, I still don't understand. I truthfully did not know. I still don't. What teams made... I, I did see Azarink and Barty for five seconds on TV today, so I know they were in the final. But I couldn't tell you any of the men that were right. in the final eight. Give me... Give me... All right. Yeah, you'll never get it. For the men's doubles? The final. Cabal and Farah? You got it. They And they won. Look at you. Somebody told me. Oh. <laughs> but I knew they won Wimbledon, and somebody said the same team won again. So Ash Barty and Azarenka lost to Sabalenka and Mertens. But why is it Wimbledon does a great job of like right when the singles ends, they just slide right into the doubles and it makes you like you have the TV on and you watch it. The U.S. Open. Yeah, it's you like, don't want to let go of tennis. So right. it's like, oh, I'll, the U.S. Open just ends and the doubles and is like over. you have to search for it somewhere on some other channel. I don't know because we don't run things. <laughs> that might be part of it. Because I, I mean, if it was if it was on and easily accessible, I would watch the finals of doubles. Yeah. Especially yeah. Azarenka Barty. I mean, those people we know, Grand Slam I mean, they winners. can't do it before. No. They just can't because you, you can't have people wait. No, they, they could do it on the other court. Yeah. They could do it on Armstrong. Although they would never flip over. It doesn't matter what the score is the final. They would never flip over. What do you mean? Like on the TV, they would never flip over to show doubles. Oh, I see. Even if it was 6-4, 6-2, 5-1, they're not flipping over. You mean they're not starting with it? Yeah. Well, I mean, if they're on the same time, they're not going to go over. Oh the no, no, match. no! They could, they could, they could start early, and if they go into yeah, it, they're true. on another. Court. Oh, I see, I see. Yes, that way it doesn't mess up your start time. But the problem is the stadium will be empty, right. so nobody will be in there. <laughs> true. So, anyway, a lot like the stadium of listeners for this podcast. <laughs> not true. Not true. We are growing, and we're back, baby. Um, the U.S. Open coverage, I think, bumped us up a bunch. But, well, I'll never. But now it's over. Tennis is over, <laughs> and this podcast is over. But it never ceases to amaze me at my club that every year when the U.S. Open's going, I see dozens of people I've never seen before. That the rackets come out of the garage, <laughs> they come out, and you know they got inspired from watching somebody on TV, and they want to play, and they realize it's a thousand degrees, and they don't know how to play, but <laughs> but they do it anyway. Because it's U.S. Open, baby. <laughs> well, like I've always said, it's the best Grand Slam, <laughs> guaranteed. <laughs> You only say that four times in a year. You're consistent. This one is the best, the and best I will one say is that the one that's on right now. I will say that in the Australian. I'll say this is the best one on now, <laughs> but the U.S. Open's really the best, right? Because it's America. I'm looking forward to actually being able to sleep tonight, not having to stay up till one or two a.m. to watch tennis. Yeah, I mean the next tennis that matters is uh, January. Uh, <laughs> January. Nobody cares about any. Whatever I don't ever that stupid Davis don't, Cup. Don't even care about the Tour Finals. Don't even care. Well. At least two of the big three don't play. That's my prediction for the right. two final. And right. Nadal shouldn't play because it's never on clay. And Serena, will she play? Pack it up, Serena. Just pack it up. I could see her playing. Yeah, maybe. But I, yeah. All right, no corner? No. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> the corner went away when the fifth set happened. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't have that kind of time. It's late. <laughs> yeah. But we're doing this for all the fans. That's and I right. uh, hope you appreciate it. You should appreciate it so much that you spread the word. You retweet. If I tweet something... I don't Instagram anything um, <laughs> and whatever on Facebook. Nah, nobody cares about Facebook anymore. That's over. So, but just spread the word. Um, let them know the tennis revolution can be found almost anywhere these days. Stitcher, I think. There you go. How much? <laughs> it was once on there. <laughs> at least. Yeah, I'm sure it still is. Your your Apple device. Yeah. It's the iTunes app uh, or the podcast app on your iPhone. Uh, Spotify. That's the big one. That's the fancy one. That's that and Pandora is what a lot of people use. I don't know if Pandora has podcasts, but Spotify, a lot of people have. Yeah. Um, so that was a big deal. All the cool kids listen to Spotify, apparently. Right. So it's where that, all the cool tennis podcasts are. I'm sure they're all there, <laughs> but none of them are as cool as we are no. for sure. So, all right. Well, that's it. The ten- I hate to say it, but I feel like the tennis season's over, <laughs> but we do have some fun stuff to talk about from here on out. Um, matter of fact, it's actually a little bit freeing because we're not locked into pro tennis. Right. There's other things we can talk about. And no, we won't talk about Serena shoving a ball down somebody's throat. That's over. I deleted that whole thing. <laughs> I'm not watching that backstory. So it's over. And the U.S. Open is over and she made it through and and we made it through. Um, 
and recording late for you, so you made it through. Although you're listening to this whenever you want, you don't right. care how late we stayed up. <laughs> all right, is that it? That's it, man. All right. Well, until next time, thanks for joining the revolution. Bye, guys.